The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. Hey, it's Jesse coming at you with a short Thursday bonus episode. You know, we've always done that every once in a while when we have a little something extra to say or something we'd love you to hear. We drop you an episode on Thursday. But honestly, it's been a while since we've had a Thursday episode. You know, now the show has been around for four years. Four years this month. It's our anniversary. We have more than 200 episodes. And I've been reflecting on just how much I've learned personally from the people that I've interviewed. You know, I talk to all these people with so many good ideas and strategies for how to excel in their careers, how to do work better, but also how to do life better. And and some of those strategies really don't stick for me. They just don't work. Maybe I'm not the kind of person who could apply them. (laughs) Like, I'll give you an example. I love talking to Adam Grant and everything he has to say feels like a good idea, but I just don't seem to have the discipline that Adam has. His ideas don't always work for me. Like that idea he has about batching emails that ask for favors and then answering them all at once, once a week. I'm just not organized enough either to set aside those favors as they come in or to devote the consistent time every week on my calendar to answering them. That's cool. I mean, maybe that episode was really perfect for someone else, right? But then every once in a while, we interview someone and unexpectedly... What they have to say just really sticks. It works for me. It makes things better for me. You know, my mornings are kind of chaotic and frantic. If we all get up on time and if the kids are both in good moods, uh, my wife and I each get 10 to 15 minutes to ourselves to shower, right? So it's my turn. And I sometimes listen to the radio in the shower. So I had my phone um, blaring NPR right next to the shower. And I'm washing my hair and I remember because don't all thoughts come back to you in the shower. I remember I need to schedule a dentist appointment for Jude. So I reach out of the shower, pick up my phone, and I open up the Keep app on my phone. And I see the list that I have going there, and I add Call Dentist. Then I close the Keep app, and I forget all about it. I literally don't stress about it again, because now I know that it'll get done. Now, as I'm getting out of the shower, it occurs to me, that it has been eight months since I interviewed Tiago Forte about his approach to note-taking and to remembering things. I'm still using this approach that he introduced in our episode, which he called the second brain. This one, this strategy, it really works for me. I deposit every stray thought I have onto this list, and then at various moments I organize it and lump things together and get things done. And maybe it doesn't work 100% of the time, right? But I'm a lot more reliable than I was last spring before I talked to Tiago. I remember things. I get more things done. So here's an excerpt from that episode in which Tiago describes both the problem we all face with information and the start of his approach to resolving it. I think a common pitfall with smart people, like the people who listen to this podcast, like the people who listen to podcasts in general, Right. Right. Like the people who read books and take classes and, you know, are lifelong learners and curious about the world. So the pitfall with smart people is we 
we have a decent brain. And so we start to put more and more on it. We go, okay, brain, now remember this. Now to keep track of that. Now have this responsibility. Now push forward that project, which works for a while, right? right? This is what makes it so hard to see is it works and then it works and then it works until it doesn't. One day, and, and often I find people interested in a second brain are undergoing some sort of life transition. They just got a promotion. They have a new, you know, bigger job with more responsibilities, or they're starting a business, or they're starting a family, or they're moving to a new city. And it's like that, that saying, what got you here is not going to get you there. The strategies yes. of managing information that got you up to this point are not going to work going forward. And so people, right. you know, seek this kind of, of knowledge in order to upgrade their, their skills. So I love this term that you use to describe your system, which is this idea of a second brain. I've been a tech reporter my entire career until recently when I became a podcast host. And as a tech reporter, I chronicled the rise in information available. And at the beginning of my career in the late 90s, it already felt like I could have everything at my fingertips. And that was before Google even. It was like around the time that Google was born, right? Yeah. And the explosive, exponential growth of the information available to me um, is enough to stress me out. I feel, instead of feeling like it is an, a personal opportunity, I feel like it is a point of great stress. I find yeah. myself doing detoxes and looking for ways to get away from the yeah. information. And for anybody trying to navigate life in the information age, particularly for what we call knowledge workers, which are really people who have to interact with that information in some way to do their job effectively, um, it, it often feels like more of a burden than an yeah. opportunity. We're trying to narrow down what we need to know. And you offer a, a flexible tool, rather like a muscle that we can strengthen in order to help us have a relationship with that information instead of pushing it away. Absolutely. I think flexibility is the right word. It, it's a general purpose thinking system. Right. You know, if you're a scientist tracking the, you know, experimental lab results for a pharmaceutical drug, that drug, that's specialized knowledge, there is some, you know, dedicated software program for that. But for just our projects, our general projects, our general responsibilities, our side gigs, our, you know, new things that we're creating that we don't yet know what it will be. Right? right? For knowledge that is, it's kind of early stage, it's still messy, it's still uncertain. That's what notes are designed for, right? right? It's messy, it's informal, it is just blah. It's like just getting it out of your brain into some external place uh, is really the first step. And that's what notes excel at. I think it's probably true for most people that we don't take notes in an effective way so that we can then use the information. Yes. yes. I want to really dig in here. I want you to teach us how to do this better. Absolutely. So where do we begin? Okay, perfect. So we're going to do digital note-taking. Paper is wonderful. You can take paper notes all you want, but I'm really focused on the unique power of digital notes, which means the first, very first step is you need to choose a digital notes app, right? The average knowledge tech worker, remote worker, uh, manager, engineer, executive uses dozens of different software programs. But usually the one that's missing is a, is a digital notes app. This is an app in the category of uh, Evernote, Notion, newer ones like Obsidian. Uh, there's actually many dozens of different options. I use Keep. I use uh -huh. it not so effectively, but like it, it's on my phone. It has my family's grocery list on it. Yeah. Um, and so my thinking is probably that's the right one for me, because if I get really hung up on finding exactly the right software with the yes. right bells and whistles, 
I'll spend all of my time working on that problem and not solve the problem that is to be solved. Yes, exactly. This is what I really encourage. Look at what you're already using or what you already have or what you already know how to use. Right. So often this looks like the, the apps that are integrated into what you already use. Like you use Google Keep, part of Google Suite. There's also Microsoft OneNote, which is part of the Microsoft Office package, uh, or Apple Notes, or there's usually like an equivalent, you know, Android note taking app. Start there. You don't need a crazy, sophisticated database. It's just the first problem you're trying to solve is the capture problem. The very first hurdle is to get it from this fleshy organ up here into some external place that is not subject to forgetfulness. And really, that's mostly a matter of convenience. If it's not utterly convenient, utterly easy, it's just never going to happen. And none of the, the subsequent steps of knowledge management are possible until you have that, that thing written down. Right. And so how do we know what things are the things that we need to write down, Tiago, right? Because Things happen all day. I, I don't want to end up in a situation where I have so much information that I am loath to go near it when it's time to sift it. Yeah, I think there's some baggage that we have around note-taking because note-taking habits came from school. Yes. And in school, it's always some external authority telling you what to take notes on, right? It's like our, our natural love of learning, which is really what it is, gets sort of dampened and extinguished for some of us because of like these external rules. So a lot of what I find people have to do, what we have to do is unlearn. Before you learn stuff, you have to unlearn that <laughs> attitude to note-taking and shift right. what you take notes on from what you think someone thinks you should take notes on to what resonates with you. I love that word resonance. Resonance, it's like it echoes in your soul. There's an echo. Right. You see something externally and it reflects something inside of you. That might show up as a, a, a sense of curiosity, surprise. Uh, it might feel enlivening. It might feel exciting. You might feel your your pupils dilate, the the hair stand up on your arm. Like you got to look at bodily sensations, yeah. and not treat it as this hyper analytical, you know, set of rules for what to take notes on. So you need to begin by getting curious about what you're actually curious about. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yes. Here's a distinction I would love some help with. Some of the things that I write down are things that. You know, a show idea that came to me, a, or a person who would be great on, on a show or, you know, working on a book, like something that makes a chapter come together. But then there's also this laundry list of to-dos, right? Like, don't forget to pay the medical bill. Where do those belong? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's information that you have to manage also, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. this, is, this is something I love about a second brain is just like your first, like in your first brain as a, as a metaphor, you have, you know, buy milk from buy milk at the grocery store, all the way to some, you know, grand theories you might have about the nature of life and the purpose of civilization and history and all these things. And that's what makes the human experience so beautiful is all these, these categories mix and match and we, we find cross connections and they cross fertilize each other. Um, and so a, a simple task can ju be just as much a part of your second brain as, you know, whatever piece of content that you're saving. I think what's, what's key is the centralization, right? When I work with people as students in my course or at, in coaching, they often have all the right information. It's already saved in some external place, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of strewn. <laughs> it's strewn around a dozen different places, no rhyme or reason which is fine until the moment where you have to actually go retrieve a piece of information to use it because now you have a dozen different places to look 
no no criteria to tell you where something might be stored. Um, and also, there's there's a great power in having a lot of interesting ideas in one central place. Yeah. You know, think about like I used to play with Legos as a kid. How do you want to play with Legos? You want to dump out all the Legos on the floor, see them all in one giant pile, and then kind of just like sort through them and see what emerges, right? You want to see things in juxtaposition. You want to see them overlapping and colliding and being near each other in order for you to have those, you know, those interesting connections and insights. Tiago has a whole method for how he teaches note-taking. It's got a handy acronym, CODE. That stands for capture, which is mostly what he just talked about. Organize, distill, and express. If you think of all the stuff you need to keep track of, like a funnel, the top of that funnel is capture. And getting to just what you need is the whole rest of the process. Go find the episode in our archives for tips on how to do that. And I'll also put it in the show notes. Next week, I'll bring you a second thing I've learned and applied from hosting the show. We're going to do this all month to celebrate our fourth anniversary. In the meantime, if there are things that you've heard over the years on Hello Monday that have really worked for you, send them our way. Record a voice memo on your phone and email it to hellomonday at linkedin.com. We'll share some of your learnings with listeners. Thanks to everyone who helped make this bonus episode. Talk to you on Monday.